Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. <laughs> That's a nice quote to, uh, to begin this episode that has a lot to do with light. Yes, and this comes courtesy of a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! And this Facebook feedback says, Hey guys, I love your podcast and I listen to them on my downtime. Anyway, I've done a search on HowStuffWorks website on OLED. I noticed a very technical article written on the website. However, I was wondering if you guys would be willing to give your take on it. How do they stack up to LED and plasma? What are the differences between the different types of OLED? Maybe explain the differences between LED, OLED, etc. Thanks. Um, yeah, we're gonna sit there and talk a little bit about OLEDs, what they are, what they do, how they, how they are different from other technologies. Uh, and it's interesting stuff. In fact, um, I think by the, when I first started at Health Stuff Works, OLEDs were, were still very, very much in the prototype stage. Uh, mm-hmm. You didn't really see anything on the market at, the, at that time, the consumer market anyway, that had an OLED type screen. And now they're much later in the prototype stage. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, but we're kidding the OLEDs. Well, Actually, now we're getting to the point where we're finally seeing them scaled up to large screen TVs. But for a long time, the biggest screen you were going to get was something like 11 inches. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the genesis of my joke being that people who are really interested in OLED technology have been waiting for them to come out for a very long time. It it seems like they're uh, they've been in development of some kind for a for a long, long time. They've been actually pretty common in smaller screens, like uh, smartphone screens, for example. Yeah. Um. They're they're really great for that. They they use less energy than a lot of the other technologies, and um, they're excellent for that. But uh, that's, you know, getting them scaled up has taken a long time. And the people who have been waiting, I'm going to buy an OLED TV. Like, well, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath. Well, but, except but that th- finally they're starting to hit yeah, now. Yeah. But and, and also the other thing people have been waiting for, and it's one of the types we'll talk about in a little little further in in the podcast, mm-hmm. is the flexible OLED. Yeah. That idea of having a display that is actually malleable, that you can bend it around things. And, you know, you might use that to have a foldable display. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people talk about. But there are other things you could use it for, like uh, you could use it in displays, say, in a store where yeah. you've got round columns and you could have a display wrapping yeah. around this round column. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, things like that. Well, yeah, and it's uh, and that's the thing about it. it I think um, despite the fact that it's taken a while to get Larger OLED screens, the the technology will be worth the wait. But oh yeah, I think it's uh I think it is a good idea to go ahead and talk about the similarities. And there are I think three major similarities between the technologies: red, green, and blue. Yeah, light, <laughs> light. Well, the purpose of all all the the technologies we're talking about here, you know, plasma, uh, LCD, and uh, you know the OLEDs or LED screens or organic LED screens. Um, you know, it's, it's to display information. Yes. And it, it shows us light. Um, the trick is really how they go about doing that. Now, we've talked about some of the other technologies in the past. Like, for example, plasma uses, uh, gases. Yes, ionized and, gas. Mm-hmm, and basically you, uh, they show the different colors by, uh, running a charge through the gas and then whoo, look, light. 
Yeah, LCD uses liquid crystals. Yes. And these liquid crystals actually form a barrier between light and the clear part of the screen. And then the LCDs, uh, through various uh, – running an electric current through them, mm-hmm. change shape. Yes. And that allows light to pass through, and there are some color filters in there, and that's where we get the displays through that. So that's a liquid crystal display. LEDs are light-emitting diodes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we've had those around for, for quite some time. Uh, and they're pretty efficient. They're more efficient than a lot of other forms of lighting. Mm-hmm. But an OLED, as Chris had mentioned, is an organic light-emitting diode. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, what – how that – Huh? And it really comes down to uh, kind of a an organic sandwich. Yes, and the thing is, uh, they're not terribly different from from the typical LEDs, but it's it really comes down to the materials used yes. to make that sandwich. Yeah. So yeah, they're 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 very thin. All right. So an OLED, it's it's solid state. Mm-hmm. All right, and it is usually between one hundred to five hundred nanometers thick. Which is pretty thin. That's it, according to uh, to most estimates, and this does change from one source to another. But it's about two hundred times thinner than a human hair mm-hmm. in diameter. Now, human hairs actually come into a variety of diameters. It's like one person's hair might be thinner than another's. True enough. Uh, some people have clear hair, like me. <laughs> My hair is invisible to the human eye. Not but, um, so much. Yeah. At any rate, uh, the 200, that's an average. So it's 200 yeah. times smaller mm-hmm. than the diameter of a human hair. And, uh, it's, uh, there are different, uh, layers within this sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what is, uh, creating the light that you see. And there's the, the basics, the, the bread on this sandwich, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, are, are a pair of electrodes. Right. You've got your cathode and you've got your anode. Now, technically, you also have the substrate. The substrate is the foundation that the OLED sits upon. So mm-hmm. substrate is also part of this, but I'm looking mostly at the components that actually make the the OLED work. Right. So, yeah, you've got the cathode and the anode, and you've got the, the jobs of the cathode and the anode are to create a circuit for electricity to flow through. Right, right. The electrons flow from one to the other. Yeah, from the cathode to the anode. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you have to kind of think of this in uh, – uh, interesting terms like uh, so cathode is injecting uh, negative particles into this OLED sandwich. Are you positive? Yes, I am positive that they are negative. Electrons is what cathodes are putting into there. Mm-hmm. The anode is creating uh, well, what we call them electron holes. They're positive. It's it, they they turn uh, an element into a positively charged element. They actually pull electrons out of it, and so now it's positively charged. So that means that the electrons coming from the cathode are attracted toward the anode side. Hey, you're pretty cute, anode. And so it has to pass through the other layers of the sandwich. And there are two or three other layers, depending on the type of OLED you're looking at. But uh, really, uh, the, the two-layer is... The most common, so I, I'll just stick with that. Okay. So you've got your emissive layer. This is the layer that actually emits light. Right. And you have your conductive layer, which is the the layer that attracts the electrons through the uh, other materials. So if we're looking at top to bottom, and the bottom is the substrate, then the top layer is your cathode. Next down, you have your emissive layer. That's where the light comes through. Mm-hmm. Then you have your conductive layer. That's what's pulling the electrons down. 
Then you have the anode layer. That's what's really pulling the electrons down. It's, it's what's allowing the conductive layer to pull these electrons through. Right. And then you have the substrate. So uh, why are we getting light? Boy, this, this gets into some uh, interesting physics here. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. So you've got the electrons coming through from one side. You've got the electron holes coming through from the other side. So in a way, you could think of negative charge and positive charge. I know that sounds weird, but just go with me here. And when those two meet, uh, the molecule that they meet at becomes uh, – uh, actually drops an electron into that positive hole. And as a result, there is a, a – difference in energy it releases some energy as a result of that that uh, reaction mm-hmm. and that energy is released in the form of a photon okay and we've talked about this before about how if you excite an atom mm-hmm. you know by telling it it's going to disney world or something and the electrons move to a higher energy state when those electrons move back down once that energy has has been removed from the system once the electrons move back down they have to release that extra energy and they often will do this in the form of photons which we perceive as light right mm-hmm. that's exactly what's going on here actually i saw a great video on this uh at uh MIT's site where a professor was explaining how oleds work by shocking the heck out of a pickle Excellent. He uh, had a had a cathode and an anode um, uh, attached to a pickle and was running a very high electric current through it, which was making the pickle glow. And it was this is what was happening. You had the positive charge and the negative charge meeting, and the molecules where it met at that's where it was uh, uh, releasing this electron and uh, and, and releasing a photon, or, or it was the electron states were moving down and the photons were being released, and that's why we were getting light. Um. Pretty cool, actually. I kind of wanted to build one, except for the fact that I'm sure I would probably electrocute myself. For a second there, I thought you were gherking my chain. Aha. Anyway. So when we're talking about electricity, we're not talking about a lot. No. These are pretty efficient. So we're talking a realm of just a few volts that are needed in order to... Uh, excite these molecules so that they emit light. Mm -hmm. That's one of the major benefits of of OLED screens is that they don't require as much electricity as some others. Uh, You know, of course, plasma TVs are are notorious for using a lot of electricity. Yeah. Well, Um, you have to keep pouring in electricity to keep that gas ionized. Right. So, yeah, a plasma display is not – They've gotten a lot better over sure, the last few sure. years, but it is, it is by its very nature is not the most uh, yeah. environmentally friendly way of of creating a television. Not that right. TV is terribly environmentally friendly, no matter how you do it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, it's it's less so. Yeah, plasma has a reputation yes. for being for being less energy friendly. Yeah, so yeah, they've, there there have been some better ones, but still, uh, and those two different layers of molecules are. Uh, are, are organic, but they're organic plastic. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Organic plastic. Yeah, like polyaniline and polyfluorine. Uh, okay, all right. And, you know, polyana. You know, when you when you say organic plastic, that sort of sounds like it's oxymoronic, like, you know, yes. gargantuawa. <laughs> um, well, that that's actually... Um, we should talk about two the different uh, types of OLEDs because sure. there are RGB OLED screens and then mm-hmm. there's the white OLED screen, mm-hmm. um, which sort of uses a color sandwich too. Um, and by by activating red, green, and blue, you get white. Um, and uh, 
you know, the, those, uh, the red, green, and blue are, are pressed together in the same pixel. Yeah. So, uh, by doing that, you can, you can have the, uh, have basically a pure white. Um, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it works a little slightly differently than, than the others, uh, simply because of that. Um, there are, it, 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 people say that it has a longer life than the traditional OLED screens. Um, but uh, they, that is supposed to be one of the advantages of it, um, and it's also possible to uh, to scale the white OLED screens up a little easier, from what I understand. Yeah, it's also been talked about as a potential replacement for things like fluorescent lights, mm-hmm. where not just for displays but for actual lighting, because that's uh, it's even more efficient than fluorescent lighting is, and. Uh, you know, you don't have that mercury that you got to worry about yep. that's in fluorescent lights. Yep. Uh, yeah, guys, if you have those little fluorescent bulbs, which are you know more energy efficient than incandescent bulbs, yep. well, good on you, but be very careful with them. Yes. Because those suckers do contain some very toxic chemicals in them that can be very dangerous. Yes, you do not want to bust them. Right. So the OLED lights might be a nice alternative to that. You know, if if it's efficient enough so that they make economic sense to the consumer mm-hmm. because you know you got to worry about that, uh, and also the fact that they don't have these toxic chemicals necessarily inside them. If they are just as efficient or more so, then it makes perfect sense to go and switch to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are actually several different types of OLED screens dis- uh, and OLED displays. Uh, we talked about the foldable OLEDs. Now these are using a substrate that is flexible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your typical substrate, when I think of substrate, I think of something that is, that is, you know, pretty solid. Right. Or sometimes it can be a little brittle or whatever, but it doesn't bend. It's not bendy bendy. Right. Well, the, the idea being that you're going to build your circuit material on top of this material. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, this, it's a board. So you, you know, you're, I'm going to add the stuff to it. Right, right. Yeah. So, usually yeah. you want something that's fairly solid. Although, you know, obviously for other, Applications, you would need something that's flexible. Let's say right. that you wanted to create a display on, say, a jacket. Okay. Which might very well be something, not necessarily that the consumer would ever see, but you know, let's say an advertising company creates this uh, this type of, of jacket that can have a flexible screen on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you've got this new way for uh, at trade shows where people can show off cool technology and it's literally playing on their backs. Um, I mean, I could even imagine it going so far as to, let's say you've got a courier service and you are sponsored and they run ads on your back as you, you're a bike courier. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing that. I look forward to seeing all the accidents that will happen as a result of people turning their heads to see what to it watch. Is. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to follow this guy another mile. I have to see how this turns out. <laughs> uh, clearly that if you did that, you'd have to make very visually uh, stunning types of ads that don't need any audio. That would be the that would be the the real challenge there. Look, I'm just trying. I'm just, yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to create some jobs out there. I'm, I'm, that's what All I'm right. trying to do. Okay, but you also have uh, you have your passive matrix OLED. Mm-hmm. Now, passive matrix OLEDs. Uh, you know, we talked about the cathodes and the anodes. Well, that's not necessarily a sheet on top. I, you know, when I said sandwich, it sounds like you're talking about a solid sheet. Right. That's not necessarily the case, although that can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mm-hmm. passive matrix OLED, what it does is it, it arranges the cathodes and anodes into strips. And one set of strips are vertical and the other set of strips are horizontal. So you could think of it like all the anodes are streets and all the cathodes are avenues. 
Okay. So at these intersections where the cathode and anode meet, that's where you have your pixels. And your pixels, of course, are that's the point of light. So when you talk about how many pixels a display has, that's how many points of light it is capable of displaying at one time. A thousand points of light? More than that. That'd be a very low resolution television. Uh, the, so this is one way of doing that where you have the, just at the intersections of these strips, that's where the pixels are. Uh, not terribly efficient compared to other OLEDs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also for all of these screens, if you're wondering about controlling brightness, that's a function of how much electricity is flowing through the system. Mm-hmm. If you're pouring more juice into it, it's going to be brighter. Less mm-hmm. juice, not as bright. Right. Which makes sense. Uh, next, we have the Active Matrix OLED, and this has a full sheet of the cathode and anode, sort of like the sandwich uh, example I was giving earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this case, there is a film transistor that is uh, uh, got a it's an anode layer overlay, and that's what forms the matrix, uh, not the kind that Neo goes through. With all the zeros and ones, but this the, it, in the it forms the same feature as the intersections on the passive matrix OLED. Tank, I need an exit. Oh gosh! Wow, I, out of all of those, you know, I, I'm surprised you didn't say, "I know kung fu," <laughs> or just, "Whoa." <laughs> uh, you got your transparent OLEDs. Now these are really super cool. Like yeah. everything, every single element in this OLED is transparent. So when light is uh, is flowing through this system, then you see it projected within a clear screen. And when it's not, you can just look through the screen. Now, this is used in things like heads-up displays. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're we flying a plane. We were just talking about that. Yeah, exactly. Flying a plane, driving a car, whatever. If you've got a heads-up display that can show within the uh, the windscreen or, or cockpit screen or whatever – that is very likely a transparent OLED. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also seen this used in um, smart windows, which was something new. I mean, I had heard about smart windows before, but it was the first time I'd seen one was at CES 2012, mm-hmm. where um, I think it was Samsung that had it, where it's a smart window that could display information. And it could do things like give you like little information like news items or the weather or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although when you're looking out a window... If you need a weather report when you're looking out a window, you're not being terribly observant. Well, it might be nice to know what the temperature is going to be you later can on. Open the window. Oh, okay. All right. So you're looking it's at future forecasts. Gonna rain. All right. Fine. Fine. Yeah. You know. Just I, saying. I'm, all right. Okay. I, I I withdraw my objection. And um, uh, what about Active Matrix OLEDs? I talked about those. That's oh, the one okay. with the that's the one with the thin film transistor. Do you want to just Okay. No, I mean, they use those a lot in the phones, so Oh yes, 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 yes. That's the one that does have that thin film transistor I was talking about. That's the one that ends up taking the place of the intersections. Uh the the thin film transistor itself has the connections on it on the anode side where it activates where the pixels are and which oh, pixels are active. Yeah. Well, um, the, the fact that they are so thin is a benefit when you're talking about these electronic Devices because oh, sure. it makes it so much easier to uh, you know fit it into these you know things Super like tablets and form factors, yeah, and uh, smartphones. Yeah, if we were still using if we were using things like LCD technology for mm-hmm. 
all of these devices, uh, they would be significantly or at least noticeably larger, yeah. like thicker. And and somewhat heavier. Yeah. And I mean, heavy being a relative thing, but in the case of it. Every uh, ounce counts. Uh, yeah. In, in a tablet or something like that, you know, if it adds six ounces. Yeah. There's one more type of OLED okay. that I can talk about, which is the top emitting OLED. Ah. And this has uh, got a substrate that is either opaque or reflective, and they are often used. This is often uh, uh, like this. This is just one subtype of OLED. It can actually be combined with another type of OLED. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, that active matrix OLED we were just talking about, that method of display could be combined with a top emitting OLED. Uh, and this is something that's often used in things like smart cards. So lots of different applications of OLEDs, not just uh, displays on phones or um, or TVs or or even you know computer monitors that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because even though it sounds pretty complex, really it's simpler uh, than things like LCD technology. Yeah. It is it is much simpler in the grand scheme of things. Um, even though it's a more advanced technology and it's taken years to kind of get the prototype, uh, the manufacturing process efficient enough so that we can build screens that are at the size that we're used to. Yeah. Uh, even so, you know, we have mentioned that, yes, there are television screens coming out, like large ones, 55-inch TVs that use OLED displays. They are incredibly thin. Yes. Like to the point where you can't even really get a good picture of them when you look at them in profile. Um, However, they also tend to cost a princely sum. Yes, uh, that's what I was getting at, is that we have reached the point where the manufacturing process has allowed us to build these, but they're still prohibitively expensive for, Mm -hmm. I'd say, the majority of the consumer market. Yeah, Um, a new TV is likely to cost you several thousand dollars. Yeah, we're talking like 10 grand. Yeah. Easy. $10,000 for a 55-inch OLED screen. Easy. Um, That... That's a lot of money for a new television set. Mm-hmm. I would not be prepared to spend that much on a TV. Yeah. And if you're talking about uh, using a competing technology that costs, say, one-fifth of that, you know, yeah, that's... Or, 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 yeah, or less. Well, yeah, it depends I on think the last thing, you know. So, for example, I, I purchased an LED LCD HDTV mm-hmm. for um, – Way less than that, like less than a tenth of that. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that, and you're you're saying, yeah, the the technology, the the display technology is clearly superior in that clearly clearly haha in that it's got a very crisp picture. The colors are are very true true colors, blacks too true blacks. Yes, because you don't have that backlighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like plasma, plasma does not have backlighting, but LCD does. Mm-hmm. Which is why if you've ever had an LCD television, you know mine is an LCD TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just well, backlit it's, by LEDs. Yeah, so that's why LED LCD. Yeah, so when you uses both. But but if you're watching in a dark room and it's a scene that is like someone walks into a, a pitch black uh, room in a house or there's suddenly like a, a blindfolds being put on or whatever, you start to notice like, wait a minute, my, my screen's actually kind of glowing. Like it, it's not really black. It's just really dark and I can see that there's light trying to shine through. Hey, it's pitch gray in there. Yeah, that's not a true black. <laughs> but OLEDs and uh, and true LED TVs and um, uh, plasma TVs, they, they have true blacks yeah. where – because there's no light coming through, mm-hmm. right? That that part of the screen is inactive, so it's as dark as it's going to get. Um, yeah, so that's another nice thing. The the color ratios on these contrast ratios are really really good. The um, 
but yeah, it's even though it's superior, it's just uh, it's going to take a while before that price is going to drop low enough for it to be within the reach of the average consumer. I think. Yeah, and the flexible displays are are a ways off too. I think um, those will probably we'll probably see those used in commercial. Uh, projects first. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, that's where the money is. People yeah. are going to be willing uh, to spend that for their company to do advertising or to do whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure some mogul will add them to their uh, sports stadium. Sure. You know, just because they can. Yeah. Now, eventually... Look we, at what I got. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, we may see that incorporated into consumer goods. Like, I could imagine a uh, like a, an OLED bracelet, right? Like a thick OLED bracelet that fits mm-hmm. around your wrist and yeah. it can display the time and it can do other stuff. Sure. Where it would be really thin. So you could have one that is, you know, is, you could even get some of different lengths. So you could get one that fits your wrist really snugly and then you can show all this, uh, this, um, uh, content off. Ooh, and, snugly. Yes, snugly. And the battery and, and processor and everything would be on the underside of it so it's not always on display. Uh, that, unless you're, you know, a nurse, in which case it's the other way around. Uh, the, but yeah, that, I could easily see that happening further down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and the potential for OLEDs is, is pretty high. I mean, we're, like I said, we've already seen it in, Consumer goods like like smartphones and tablets, mm-hmm. uh, where it, it's really helped sl- make these things as sleek and slender as they possibly can be. Sure, sure. I can't wait to see. By the time this podcast goes out, we'll know more about it. But uh, I can't wait to see how the new iPad looks, um, and I'm sure that it's going to be using an organic light emitting diode screen, possibly a Retina display. We don't know because as we're recording this, it's the week before Apple has its big announcement. Maybe it won't be an iPad at all. Yeah, but that's true. And it could come out that the March 7th uh, uh, discussion it has nothing to do with an iPad, in which case I'll just be like, well, guess we'll be waiting around. But I would be surprised to see that because the iPad 2 came out in yeah, March about, last year. It's about that time. Yeah. yeah. Whenever South by Southwest rolls around, that's, that's when it's time for a new iPad. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps up our discussion on OLEDs. Uh, they're pretty cool. And yeah, if you want to learn more about them, please go to HowStuffWorks.com and look at how OLEDs work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of, of information on it. There are a lot of different illustrations that show this process of the electrons moving from the cathode to the anode and exactly how that uh, creates the the light that these layers are emitting. Um, it's very interesting stuff, and it makes it a lot easier to understand. If you find this discussion at all confusing, I recommend you check it out. And uh, while you're there, look at some of the other articles on the site, too, because uh, <laughs> they're pretty awesome. Yes. And, and I, I put a lot of time into writing some of these, and um, and, and, and I get lonely. <laughs> uh, if you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover, well, boy, do I have the, the advice for you. You can write us. Our email address is techstuff at discovery.com, or you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Forks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?